Welcome to the Full Tank with Phil podcast, the first podcast ever about gambling on NASCAR. We've only got a few episodes left, just three more races in this 2020 season. Can you believe it? We're taking the green flag on yet another episode. On this week's app, we're going to be breaking down Kansas. We're going to do that pretty quickly because we did not do well. Spoiler alert on that one. And then the main part of the pod this week, we're talking about Texas. So, just going a little bit south from Kansas down to Texas and talk about who we like on the money line, talk about the strategy for the odds that are out right now. Top 10 picks. We're only going to do two top 10 picks this week and then breaking down the head-to-heads. So we'll get back to that. We've got a rebound. That's where we're heading this week. And then in the Phil's Fired Up section, we're going to talk just a tiny bit about the trucks and how we can take advantage of those moving forward. So all good stuff this week, jam-packed episode, but we have to start with our tail between our legs. That's right. I'm I'm soaking wet right now because I took a bath at Kansas last weekend. It was not great. Actually, I would call it horrible. Uh, Really some bad luck at Kansas. I mean, I don't know what it is about these mile and a half, but we just can't seem to wrap our head around them. So Logano is your winner. Beat out Harvick. We were on Harvick last week, among a few other people, but really hurt us uh, on that one. And and we'll talk about the race in in just a second. But uh, we didn't hit the money line for the win. We didn't have any top tens. Uh, Kurt Busch was somebody that we're banking a lot of money on. And, you know, we said there was going to be some people in the playoffs. It's going to have a critical moment. And he had it. His engine blew up. So that killed us on a lot of fronts. Top tens, head to heads, daily fantasy. It really screwed us there. Eric Jones and Tyler Reddick both missed the top 10 by quite a bit. So not a good week there as well. Head to head, we went two and two. The one bet that we did hit that was pretty solid was Bowman finishing as the top Chevy driver, plus 550. So that was good. First time we really hit that bet in a while. The problem is I didn't throw as much money down on that as the other bet, so it didn't get me back up to, to zero, but in any case, it was just, uh, you know, rough luck overall. You know, a couple of the guys we really banked on just didn't pull through, so uh, still two and two head-to-head, though, and, and still really uh, up on the head-to-heads for the season, so pretty happy about that, and we'll look to, to move forward there. As far as the race is concerned, Joey Logano, getting the job done. Last week, we did a playoff kind of breakdown about the guys that are left, and we said that middle four, you know, who is going to step up, who's going to kind of show up, or who's going to fall down. And Joey Logano did just that. He went from below the cut line all the way to locked in to the championship for it. Just absolutely crazy. Did not expect that at all. So that really shakes up the final four because now – you're starting to see, you know, is Harvick and and Hamlin still a lock? I mean, if somebody new wins this next race, it's uh, getting a little crowded there. So 
The playoffs will be definitely dramatic this weekend. And then obviously Martinsville, we'll talk about that next week, but that's going to be some, some big time drama at the short track. So the poll for whether or not it was a good race, I, you know, kind of expected it. It was very low. This is the Jeff Gluck. Was it a good race poll? It was 40%, if not lower by the end of it. But when I saw it, it was at 40%. And people were just straight up pissed off about the end of that race. Uh, I was because I lost. But uh, people were really mad about the fact that Harvick kept catching Logano. And then every time he got up to his rear, you know, Logano would pull away because of the high spoiler. A lot of people calling in on radio shows and on Twitter and Reddit all week just talking about how they have just disdain for that type of ending. And, um, yeah, I mean, that view that NASCAR had or or NBC had of Harvick's coming out of Harvick's windshield, getting right up to him, they were on that view for the majority of the end of the race. And I really liked that view, but it really emphasized how hard it was to get around him because he was up against him. He would be a half second back and then just two laps later, he'd be right on his ass and just couldn't make the pass. So then all of a sudden he's back half second again. So very um, interesting kind of drama there. People saying, you know, people like Dale Jr. wait until the, the new car comes out. It might be a little bit different, but in any case, the race itself wasn't good for us as the gamblers. If we were betting on the, the picks we put out last week and for the regular race fan, didn't seem to be too great. So Kansas, a little bit of a stinker, but in this game, you need to have a short memory, kind of like a quarterback who's thrown interceptions. Short memory, right back out on the field, and let's do it again. All right, we're going to saddle up, and we're putting Kansas in the rearview mirror. Now it's time to look ahead. We're still in cookie-cutter country, still in that mile-and-a-half country, just swinging down south over to Texas, where we're heading next. So... We'll take a look at the track sets here once again for our full season, sponsored by Sean Boy. He's your stats guy. Remember, Sean Boy, he's our boy. That's our slogan there for him. 39 races at Texas. The winner has started on the pole four times. The last time it happened, last year, this race in the fall, playoff race, the winner, Kevin Harvick. Top five, the winner has started there 22 times, so that's 56% of the time the winner is starting within the top five and then top 10 winners started there 30 times that's three-fourths of the time the winner is starting within the top 10 now in this type of setup you know especially with this covid season they've got all eight playoff drivers starting within the top 10 automatically so that really plays a factor into those stats there i mean it's going to be really tough uh to project that somebody outside of that top 10 is going to win but outside of the top 20 you want the other outlier it's happened six times when was the last time that happened you ask well you don't have to look too far 2020 austin dillon earlier this year yeah that's right dillon had that victory earlier this year and you could kind of consider that a wonky win it got him into the playoffs and you know propelled him into the round of 12 so solid year for dillon because of this texas win as far as the manufacturers are concerned, that Chevy win kind of snapped him out of a little bit of a, a stretch there. But this is really, from the tracks that we've looked at more recently, this is really a, a solid split. There's not one manufacturer that stands out to you in the more recent years. Uh, really, Ford, Chevy, and Toyota all have their wins at this track over the last five, ten years or so. So, not really a pattern we can jump to there. So, At this point, we have to kind of take a look at our strategy because the odds are out. 
and there is one heavy favorite, and then, you know, some longer odds as you start to filter through that list, and some pretty good names with some longer odds on it. So this is in the past where I've kind of said, all right, are we going to fade the favorite or are we going to be going all in? This case, I'm so desperate for a win. It's just like, you know, Al Davis from the Raiders, just win, baby. I need something. So we are going to have kind of a a style this week where I'm going to throw money down on our favorite, and we're going to talk about who that is and why he's the big favorite. And then some guys that aren't too out of control, but have some pretty good odds as far as like longer odds to kind of offset that. So uh, we will get right down to it. That's the the strategy that I have. So we are going to go favorite. We're not fading the favorite. So let's get to it. Money line picks to win this race. Kevin Harvick is going off at plus 250. He let us down last week, finished second. All right, but that doesn't, like I said, new week, have to put it in the past, forget about it. His odds are ridiculous. I can't remember plus 250. And on some sites, he's like plus 235. So plus 250 are the best odds I can get for him at this moment. So this is a situation where you see these odds come out and you're like, Jesus Christ, no way that he's this low. Like, I've got to take somebody else. But then you say to yourself, well, there's got to be a reason for it, right? Does Vegas know? Like, they're usually pretty right. You know, if you're used to betting on football or those types of sports, they're usually pretty on top of it, and they've been getting a lot better at NASCAR. So am I going to try to outsmart Vegas, or do they have a really good point here? And the fact of the matter is, Harvick is very, very good at this racetrack. So let's get into his stats. Last 10 races, three wins, seven top fives, 10 top tens. That's right, 10 top tens in the last 10 races, Wild stuff there. The fact, though, that really jumps out to you is he has won the fall playoff race at Texas three times in a row. All right. That is a huge stat because now can he do it a fourth time? I mean, he owns this racetrack in the fall. Something about it stands out to him. I don't know what it is. I haven't been to Texas in this time of year, but maybe Harvick loves it. The atmosphere, the temperature, whatever the case, three straight years in the playoffs. Harvick has come up big. So when the lights are brightest, he comes through with a big win. And I really don't see any reason why that can't happen again. You know, when you look at streaks like that, you're saying, well, that's pretty unlikely for him to do it a fourth time. But he's having one of the best years of his career. So why can't he do it again? Driver rating is fourth out of everyone, 97.4. His average finish, I mean, this really tells the story that you need to know. His all-time average finish compared to everyone else, is third, and the average is 10.2. All right, so third on the circuit, 10.2 average finish for his career. Really good stuff. I mean, if you're within a 10 spot for your average finish in a career at a racetrack, especially with the amount of races that he's gone to, that's pretty solid. But if you just focus on the last 10 races, he is head and shoulders better than everybody else, first compared to everybody, and the average finish jumps up to 4.2. 1. 4.1 in the last 10 races. That is just a crazy jump for any driver to make. So, I mean, how can you not throw money down on him? On top of that, you have to take a look at the fact that he's got the most points earned at this racetrack by a ton. You know, when you're looking at 10 races, who has earned the most points? Now, some guys like Blaney, Chase, you know, some of the bigger name guys, 
didn't have a full 10 race slate in there, but you still are comparing yourself to a lot of the other big name guys. And he's got by far the most points earned. And then on top of that, the most laps led at this racetrack in the last 10 races by over a hundred laps. It's just whatever stat you want to throw out there, Harvick just has a say in whatever it is. And then if you want to look at 2020 specifically, you know, we've been tracking the mile and a half racetracks to try to see how these guys are doing. So the last time we're going to be able to use this spreadsheet that we've been keeping track of, he is third out of everyone this year on mile and a half racetracks with an average finish of 7.6. So everything that we're saying here and, and only one finish outside of the top 10 in mile and a half racetrack. So clearly, I mean, He's going to be going off at minus 560 to finish in the top 10. That is a astronomical number. I would never advise anyone to take that, but I can't see how he's not going to finish in the top 10. I mean, it's just crazy stuff. So we talked about how he finished second on Sunday at Kansas. I looked back at Harvick's season. He has finished second two other times this season, and both times he backed it up winning the subsequent race. So that would tell you that this weekend has Kevin Harvick's name written all over it. You look at that entire resume of everything I just broke down. How can you not take Kevin Harvick? I'm going to be throwing extra money down on him, probably two or three units worth of what I'm used to spending compared to that one unit that I usually spend on, you know, my picks as I spread it around. I got to throw more on it to get a better value, get a better payout, but I think it's worth it for this guy based on all of these stats historically and what he has going on this year. On top of that, you know I look for signs, right? And in this case, it's literally a sign. So my last time I, I was kind of reaching, I, I used Sesame Street. So the number of the day was nine. That was the last time we hit a money line winner. It was Chase Elliott a couple weeks back. Well, this week I'm doing a scavenger hunt with my daughter. One of the things to look for was the number four. So of course we saw it during the scavenger hunt. It was a sign out there. It was a township thing. And well, to me, you know, we, we was like, oh, wow, let's, let's count it down as our scavenger hunt. You know, we got that one in my mind. I'm saying, holy shit, I'm betting on Kevin Harvick this week. Like that's before I even really got into the stats. So now with everything, you know, divine intervention telling me Harvick is the man this weekend. But when we're talking about putting money on the favorite now, I also like to kind of have some insurance. So now because I'm going such short odds with him, I'm looking for some other guys down the list that might be worth betting on just because they're longer odds. So one guy that stood out to me was going off at plus 1500 and non-playoff drivers. This would be a pretty big deal for this guy to win the race, but any other year, this would not be a big deal, but I'm talking about Kyle Busch. All right. So he had a strong finish last week and I was really looking to him. I bet on him to beat Blaney in the head to head. And we hit with that. He finished fifth. I was really trying to pay attention to see, would he just completely, you know, wilter under the the end of the season and kind of just fading into the 2021, you know, off season. Or would he come back and really try? And I think anybody that hates Kyle Busch, anybody that likes Kyle Busch, anybody can say he is not somebody that can just gonna go into a race and collect a paycheck and and head home. No, he's there to win every single week. So that gives me a little bit more confidence. The fact that he kid he came out had a silent week last week. They didn't really talk about him all that much but a nice top five. So going off at plus 1500 this week, say to yourself, wow, those are, 
you know, pretty good odds. How about his stats? Well, his stats are phenomenal here. I mean, it, they really are. His last 10 races, two wins, five top fives, seven top tens. His average finish all time for his career is sixth compared to everyone, 11.3. And in the last 10 races compared to everyone, it's second behind Harvick at 8.3. So we're taking the, the guys who are top two in average finish in the last 10 races here. I mean, those are solid stats for someone going off at this value. And top of that, his driver rating. First out of everyone, 102.4. Very good. I mean, we love the driver rating stat. I love it. If you're new to the podcast, you can kind of consider it like a, a quarterback rating. It tells you how the game went for the quarterback. Well, driver rating takes into consideration everything about the race. And this is average for his career. So if he was up there leading laps, doing well, even if he had a bad finish, it's considered into that stat and he doesn't get penalized as much for it in there. So to be first is always a big deal. We love the guys who are first in that stat. And in this case, it's Bush. And he won this race in the springtime 2018. So remember, the spring is when Harvick lets other people win. Well, Bush won in the spring and he finished fourth in this spring. So good stuff all around there. I mean, that wasn't too long ago. 2018, it doesn't seem like that far back where he was in victory lane in this racetrack. So the last time he finished fourth, now I, I did this kind of with Kevin Harvick a little bit, talking about when he finishes second, but the last time Kyle Busch finished fourth at Texas, he followed it up with a win, all right? So I know one of those two stats, either Harvick's or Bush's, obviously they both can't be true this weekend, but still good stuff. I love finding these little obscure stats to to really uh, dive into here. And the, the question of, is his mind right, I think was answered last week. So I'm into it. I think his odds are too good to pass up for a guy with these numbers here. So mark it down for the 18 car, plus 1,500. See if he gets that one win this season. Now, the last guy that I'm going to call out is, you know, I, I wasn't sure who to take in this third spot. I mean, there's a bunch of guys you could take, all right? But... I have a friend of mine who is kind of going through some pretty serious medical stuff right now. And he is a big fan of Martin Truex Jr. So I think for good juju, we're going to call out Martin Truex this week. And, you know, on top of that, there are reasons why he's a pretty good pick. So let's get into that. I mean, but the juju is really the reason why we're going with it. I mean, if he could, you know, come out and pull something off, that would just be great for him overall, but last 10 races, he, he actually, he has never had a win. So not even just the last 10 races, but for his career, Martin has never had a win at Texas. So maybe that changes this weekend. Two top fives, seven top tens in his last 10 races. So I want to just pause for a second because at the beginning of the podcast, we talked about how maybe Texas breeds some wonky winners. Well, would you consider Truex a wonky winner? I mean, he's never won here. So, yeah, I think that opens the door for somebody like this. On top of that, for a while, Logano and Truex were kind of in the same boat. They won earlier in the year, but they haven't done much since. And they've had good seasons. I mean, Truex has been in the top five for a lot of the second half of the year, but just can't punch through for a win. Well, he sees somebody who had a similar season to himself, Logano, win the race last weekend and pull himself into there. So, you know, is he... Looking at that saying, hey, I can do this too. I mean, I, you know, I think that's something that definitely plays a factor there. So 
Looking at it, driver rating is sixth on the circuit, 93.4, very solid number there. And then his average finish in the last 10 races is eighth on the circuit, 12.0. He is the second most laps led. So all good stuff we're seeing for someone who's going off at plus 1,000. Those are his odds. I'm not even sure if I mentioned that to start this segment. So plus 1,000, really good stuff for someone who is in the playoffs, who has these stats, and on mile and a half this season, he's got the fourth best average finish. All right, 8.6, I believe the number is. So 2020, mile and a half, he's your guy. And and going back to just specifically looking at Texas, kind of like what we did with Harvick, looking at the fall races, the fall is where Truex has all of his good finishes. I guess you could actually flip that around and say his bad finishes happen in the spring. So his three worst finishes in the last 10 races are 29th, 12th, and 37th. They all happened in the spring. All the other races, he's in the top 10 um, in the fall races. So good stuff there. The other thing to note is anytime he finishes outside of the top 10 at Texas, he backs it up with the top 10 and he finished in this spring in 2020, 29th. So uh, 29th place finish, you would say that that's going to be backed up here by a top 10 in the fall. He's going off at minus 265 to finish in the top 10. Might be a little steep to put some money down on that one, but still something to note. And then you put the playoff picture involved here, right? He is now, because of Logano winning, he is now minus 31 to the cut line, which is just shocking when you think about it. You don't think the 19 team and Truex to be really in that big of a hole, but they are. And the frustrating thing for them is they started last week that is start in the rear, which really killed them. And we talk about who's going to screw up, right? Of that group starting in the rear really hurt them, but they had a good top 10 after starting in the rear ninth place finish last week. That is just solid. But the fact of the matter is when you're dealing with just these eight guys, a ninth place finish isn't going to get it done. So it really kind of hurt them. So He's in a spot now where he's looking for the win. And I think, you know, Texas is a place where he could do that. So mark it down. Martin Truex Jr. plus 1,000, our good juju pick here this week. And that's going to do it for the money line picks at Texas. Everything's bigger in Texas. Well, so are the bets on the money line this week. All right, all right, all right. Next up, we're going to hit the prop bet section. And we always start with the top 10 picks in this area and normally i pick three top 10 guys but this week i don't know i'm just a little shook up from last week and i'm only going to pick on two guys then we'll talk about just a couple true props and end it with some daily fantasy talk the the lines for daily fantasy aren't out just yet but i'm just going to call on a, a few different people that i think might make sense for you to keep in mind as you peruse the daily fantasy lineup. So let's start with my first top 10 pick, and I could not wait to see what the lines were going to be for this guy. And I've been all over him the last couple of weeks, but this week, again, I have to go back to the well. Eric Jones, minus 112 is the number to finish in the top 10. So why are we talking about Eric Jones? Well, he's got good stats at Texas, but on top of that, some big news broke this week for Eric, and I've been a big proponent about him signing a new ride, and, well, he finally landed. He's going to be driving the iconic number 43 for Richard Petty Motorsports. Very big deal. 
for him. I think a lot of people were, you know, kind of saying, well, they're going to drag him down. I think you need to take the opposite approach. I think that Eric has proven that he is a very capable driver and he could help that organization do better than it has in the past few years. So, I mean, you could argue that he is just as good as Eric Almarola. I think he's a little bit better of a driver than Bubba Wallace. So, I think he'd expect some good things coming in that 43 car next year. It just didn't make sense. Like, he's always in the top 10 of all these, like, stats that we look at. And for him to have a question mark around his season next year or his career, even thinking about dropping down to Xfinity, it just didn't make sense to me. So, I'm glad that he found a home because I do like betting on him. And now we're going to talk about that. So, at Texas, minus 112 is perfect for me. I'm all over this bet. I really think that he's going to finish in the top 10. He's got eight races here total, but six top 10 finishes in a row. So the first two races here, you know, he little shaky start, but six races in a row, he's finished in the top 10. His average finish is 9.0. That is a very good average finish. In the last 10 races compared to everyone else, that's good enough for fourth. I mean, are you kidding me? Fourth. This is Eric Jones we're talking about here. His driver rating is fifth out of everyone, 94.3. So clearly he likes this racetrack for some reason. And sixth is where he finished in the 2020 Texas race earlier in this spring. So all in all, and I keep saying spring when I'm talking about the Texas race. Obviously the, the COVID season messed it up. I think it was in the summertime, but... I think most of you get my drift here. So what we're saying, all this about Eric Jones, just to kind of recap, he has a new ride. The confidence has to be up. The stress has to be way down. And the stats are very good. So for all of those reasons, the 20 car, I think we're going to see him in the top 10 at Texas once again. So mark it down minus 112. Now... Got a little bit of a fantasy pick. And when I say fantasy, I'm not talking about like fantasy sports. I'm thinking more of a, a, a perfect storyline. All right. I think this would be nice, wrapped up with a nice bow. Jimmy Johnson. I mean, I can't, I can't figure him out. His last hurrah. And he's just fizzling. They're not doing a good job really covering him. He hasn't performed well enough, I guess. If you're NBC, you say, well, hey, he's got to do something for us to cover him. He has... Not been doing well recently, but when I think of Texas, I think about Jimmy Johnson. I think the the earlier podcast that we broke down Texas, I shared this story, but I'll say it again. I mean, I was in Texas for work one time and I, you know, it was a night race at Texas. I was telling a couple of coworkers that we were traveling with like, hey, I got to watch the NASCAR race. This is a, a big deal to me. Let's go get drinks. We'll go to a bar. We'll throw the race on. It'll be great. And they were not NASCAR people. And they were bored out of their mind. You know why they were bored out of their mind? Because Jimmy Johnson dominated the race. It made it so boring. And that's what's like engraved into my mind is Jimmy just making it not fun for us <laughs> that night. It was kind of embarrassing. So he's going off at plus 140 to finish in the top 10. It's his last rodeo. All right. Pun intended here. So I think that, you know, he has that history at this racetrack. It's his last time here. His driver rating is third out of everyone, 101.3. I mean, that's such a good number. And in his last 10 races, right, we say that Jimmy has fallen off, but in his last 10 races, he actually is 10th out of everyone. His average finish is 15.9, which isn't great, but it's good enough for 10th on the circuit. So 
if you want to look at the 2020 race, it wasn't great. I mean, he did not have a good finish earlier this year at Texas, but I think this would really be a, a nice recap because if you think about it, Phoenix is not going to be something that he, you know, wins a race or really does much. I don't, I don't think of Jimmy when I think of Phoenix. Martinsville is a complete crapshoot. This is the one, right? This is the perfect bow on the season for the, the year for Jimmy Johnson to finish in the top 10. It gives television and the production value, you know, be able to say, hey, whoa, what a great job Jimmy did this week. Look at him going out strong. You know, I think this is his opportunity to do that. So I'm optimistic here. I'm a little bit sentimental. I'm a little bit upset about how this 48 car is kind of going out into the, the sunset. So I think that he's going to maybe shock some people and finish plus 140. Obviously, Vegas doesn't think he's got a shot. Plus 140 is pretty you know long odds for Johnson here. So let's do it. I mean, let's say 48 car, top 10. We love it. Now we'll go to a uh, prop bet pick. And I like the team pick. So last week we hit on the top driver per manufacturer. I'm, I'm going to avoid that bet this week. It just, I don't know. I didn't see anything that really jumped out to me in that sense. Uh, I mean, I guess one thing, if I could just mention it for a second, I saw top Chevy, or sorry, top Toyota driver, Denny Hamlin was like minus 112 to be the top Toyota driver. I get it. I mean, Hamlin's having a great year, but I don't think that his stats weren't that like that type of uh, a value, very short, short odds. So I think if you wanted to fade Hamlin against the other Toyotas, I mean, we called out two of them, Bush and, and Truex, to win the race, for Christ's sakes. I mean, hey, you could throw some cash on those guys to be the top Toyota drivers and fade Hamlin. But in any case, the bet that I like is the team pick. And I'm going to go with Team Penske here, all right? The reason for it, not because any of these guys – have phenomenal stats at Texas, per se. I mean, Logano is, you know, third in average finish uh, in the last 10 races, but really because of their mile-and-a-half performance this year. Blaney and Kozlowski are tied 7.1 for their average finish uh, this year in 2020 on mile-and-a-half racetracks. And then you saw Logano go and snatch a win last week on a mile-and-a-half at Kansas. So, Plus 300 for a team, a little bit different, you know, giving you some different guys to bet on. Um, I like it. Mark it down, plus 300. Just some insurance pick on, on some guys that, you know, we really didn't talk about, but are pretty strong here. I mean, when I talked about my money line picks, I said I was kind of reaching for, for a couple guys. Well, the Penske guys are all in that group between Harvick and Truex, so... Um, could be worth a shot there, plus 300. You're getting those three strong drivers. Then, odd or even this week, even is a huge, huge favorite. It's just one that I hate, right? They're minus 220. Obviously, you have Harvick and you know some other guys that make sense to take, but that minus 220 number is just too expensive for me. So, I think this week... In the odd or even prop bet, I'm going to go with odd just because it's plus 160, big time underdog, way better payout. I'm going to kind of go against the grain there. If it does hit with Harvick, obviously I'm making my money up there with him winning the race. So, hey, I, I like the odd pick here, plus 160. The odds just speak to me in that case. I hate giving up the, the minus 220 number for not a great payout. So that's what I'm talking about with the prop bet pick there. And then we're going to transition to fantasy talk. Daily fantasy rosters, I think Harvick is a must, but if he's too expensive, 
Hamlin is obviously a good follow-up, um, you know, if you're looking to spend at that level, what Hamlin and Harvick will cost you. Uh, they'll probably, probably, excuse me, be pretty similar to each other. Uh, I prefer Harvick, but, you know, Hamlin could be a little cheaper option um, and get some decent value amount. And he is someone who's got to do something well this week. So, hey, I know I was just hating on Hamlin a second ago, but you could uh, maybe get some insurance there in your daily roster with him. Kurt Busch, I mean, he's a lock to finish between 5th and 10th place. I mean, I'm not sure if I'll talk about him in the, the head-to-head sections yet, but, I mean, he's really good at just finishing at top 10s on this racetrack. So, I mean, he's he's kind of like that comfort food. He's a very comfortable pick. You know, he's not... He's not gas station sushi where you're taking a risk. You know, he's he's a, a nice hamburger from the, the joint down the street, all right, or ice cream. You know, that's who he is at Texas. So I feel good putting him in my fantasy lineup there. In addition to that, I mean, Ryan Blaney. I'm anxious to see what they put out for Blaney for his value or his cost for the Daily Fantasy because he's pretty solid at this racetrack, and he's pretty solid on top tens. His value... Uh, or his odds to win the race are, you know, relatively shorter than we've seen in the past. So I wouldn't hate Blaney in my roster this week just because of his mile and a half performance this year. But if you're going to take any of those big name guys, that means you're going to have to offset it with somebody later or down the list. And one guy that stands out to me is Ty Dillon, only because his average finish is 21st. Now, when you're taking a big name like Harvick, Hamlin, or, you know, those guys, you're spending an arm and a leg. So you're going to need a big discount. And I think when you do that, you have to take guys that you hope finish really in the top 20. And Ty Dillon is someone that I think could get you to that point. If his average finish is 21st, that means he's been up within that top 20. And I think that would really offset, uh, be a solid finish for someone in their daily fantasy roster there to, to kind of offset the big favorite pick that we've talked about. And then another complete long shot, How about Daniel Suarez? We haven't talked about him. We haven't really had a chance to talk about him. I just feel kind of bad for him as well. I mean, Gibbs has been doing these guys dirty uh, for a little while now, and I know that Suarez ended up in the 41 and got booted, but still, I mean, I think he's a really solid race car driver, and if you look at his stats at Texas, they're actually pretty solid. I mean, 2019, he had two third-place finishes at Texas. Now, Earlier this year, in the much lower level machine that he's in right now, he finished 23rd, which is still pretty solid. So I think if you get a guy in lower equipment, he's going to be a very cheap pick, is what I'm getting at for these daily picks. So um, I think that you will be able to get him for pretty cheap, and it's kind of a cross-your-fingers type of deal. You know what I mean? Hope that this guy, who has pretty good liking to this racetrack, comes out and, and puts the car you know in the top 25 top 20 would be a big time finish for Suarez so those are just some thoughts on the daily fantasy roster and that's going to do it for the prop bet section of the podcast buggity, buggity, buggity. let's go racing boys god just hearing that really makes you miss dw doesn't it so let's get into head-to-head picks and we'll just call out the fact that the lottery parlay we introduced that at least what that was last podcast and uh, it's still in effect this week they've got nine matchups out there they're all different from each other last week we went four for eight so we were like 50 50 in the uh, eight leg parlay that was available to us this week there's nine matchups and if you just go in and plug through all of the favorites 
the odds that you're going to come out with, you'll bet $10 to win about $1,800. So nice little chunk of change there if you want to take that risk. So let's break down some matchups and talk about why we like certain drivers over others. The one matchup that's at the top of the list, as always, is Harvick versus Hamlin. And Harvick's going off as the, the big favorite on that one, minus 145 to Hamlin's plus 115. And I think I you know, really stated the case for why I like Harvick this week over Hamlin. Uh, the only reason... I would take Hamlin in this head-to-head matchup is if maybe I threw it into a, a kind of a throwaway parlay or I wanted to take advantage of that long odds. You know, plus 115 is pretty long odds for what you see in a head-to-head matchup in NASCAR. So that's really the only thing that's intriguing to me in that matchup. I really in my heart of hearts, think that Harvick's going to win that matchup. Because I think in order to beat Harvick, you're going to have to win the race, kind of like Logano last week. And I just, I don't know, I don't feel like Hamlin's going to win this week at Texas. But that's the lean. Uh, I really do feel like Harvick's the guy there. But that's not one of the matchups that I'm going to be breaking down in detail. The fact of the matter is, I'm a little disappointed with the books this week. I kind of feel like they're taking a little bit of a week off. Kind of some boring matchups. Ones that we've had before, so it's kind of hard to get excited about them. But we will work our way up to one really uh, important matchup and one that actually is pretty interesting. But we'll start with one that we've seen in the past, and it's kind of tough to zero in. I mean, I guess maybe that's why the books are making these matchups. They're kind of tough to zero in on. So we'll start with Matt DiBenedetto taking on Christopher Bell. These guys have history personally because Christopher Bell took his job last year. And, uh, you know, that's kind of a... Thing that's fun to keep track of in your own head. I'm sure these guys really don't care about it too much. Uh, Matty D might, actually, but looking at Matt's stats here, let's start with him first because he's a heavy favorite. So he's got nine starts at Texas, zero top tens. It's a little confusing or a little shocking, actually. His best finish at Texas is 14th, and that happened uh, a couple races ago. This year, in 2020, he finished 17th. His average finish at Texas, 26.2. That's not great. Really not great, actually. But we know that he's been in some lesser equipment over the years, so you kind of brush that off. But can you afford to in this matchup? Because he's a heavy favorite. So the question becomes, why is he a heavy favorite? So then you look at Christopher Bell. Small sample size. One start. He finished 21st here in 2020. Now, there is a slight comparison because in Matty D's First ride in the 95, he finished 26 at Texas. And in Christopher Bell's first ride in the 95, he finished 21st. So a little bit of apples to apples there. But outside of that, you got to look at Xfinity. And Christopher Bell had a lot of success at Texas in Xfinity. Uh, He won the fall race here a year ago when he was driving in the Xfinity series. He won the 2019 race in the playoffs. And he's got three top fives and three starts in the Xfinity series. So pretty solid numbers there. If you just look at a driver, his history at the racetrack. So now you have to say, okay, well, I'm still waiting. You know, why is Matt the favorite in this matchup? Because plus 100 for Christopher Bell is pretty intriguing. Well, if you look at the season series head to head between these two guys, DiBenedetto versus Christopher Bell, Matt has the 23 to 10 lead. That is 
Big time surprising. I never would have guessed that. So that really, I think, is what the sports books are looking at. They're saying, you know, hey, this guy can't hold a candle to the 21 car. Why would he even be close in this matchup? But we're about taking a little bit deeper dive. And if you look at the mile and a half tracks this year, it's a 5-5 split. That kind of shocked me. After I found out the season record, I thought for sure Matt would have a, a lead here in the record for the mile and a half, but Christopher Bell's going toe-to-toe with him. So it's for that reason I'm attracted to the odds here. I'm going to take Christopher Bell in the 95 over Matty D this weekend. It's just he doesn't bring enough to the table to warrant those types of odds. So for that reason, I'm going to go with the 95 car plus 100. Now we will move on to the next one. And this one, I I feel like, you know, I did mention one of these guys earlier in this episode, and I hate week in and week out feeling like I'm talking about the same people. I always try to spread it out, especially in this section, but I can't resist this one. All right. Especially when you look at the other matchups that are out there, I just can't resist this one. It's Kurt Busch taking on Eric Amarol. And I feel like I do talk about Kurt a lot, but it's because he's right in our sweet spot when we're talking about odds and stats and things like that. Now, touched on him earlier. He's a top 10 machine and 10 races here. He's got nine top tens. That's only behind Kevin Harvick, who has an astronomical 10 for 10 in that category. So, you know, Kurt Busch is next up in top tens. That's a pretty big statement. And then he's fifth out of everyone in average finish 9.5 average driver rating is eighth out of everyone on the circuit 90.5. So Kurt has the resume. I mean, it doesn't really matter who he's going up against. He's got a resume that can compete with really anybody. So now you look at Eric Amarola, 10 races here, one top five, four top tens in that time span. His average finish is ninth overall, 15.6 is the number there. So a little bit worse than Kurt in all of those stats. Three straight top tens though. So that's something to consider. And he has led... 35 laps in the 2020 race and 62 laps last fall. Kurt hasn't led laps like that. So the 10 cars out front leading laps at this racetrack, he finished second in this race a year ago. So there, you know, if you're loving Kurt, right? Well, those are some things that kind of bring you back and say, hey, how about Almirola in this matchup? The 2020 record head-to-head, 17-16, right on that cut line. But Almirola has that lead. Now, if you look just at Texas, 8-2 to two, Kurt. Very, very dominant head-to-head at this racetrack Kurt Busch is. Now, I have to you know be transparent here. In the last four races, exactly, like most recent four races, it's 2-2. Two, two. And Kurt just dominated you know in years past. But 8-2 to two overall head-to-head, I mean, that's a pretty big one. Kurt edges him out here in the mile-and-a-half racetracks. His average finish... For 2020, on average, or mile and a half racetracks, rather, 12.1 compared to Almirola's 13.2 average finish. So very close there. Very, you know, it's not worth um, hanging your hat on either one of those stats uh, for a decision in this matchup. My decision really comes down to the fact that I can't get over the dominant top 10s. And you're basically saying, if Almirola is going to win this matchup, he has to be basically like, top six, because Kurt's going to be like seven, eight, nine, ten. I mean, he's proven it. So 
I think I'm going to go with Kurt here. Minus 134. The other reason I'm going with Kurt, he had that engine blow up, and it's really just desperation time now. I mean, they got to do something. There's no room for error. It's almost a must win. I think they're that far out of it. They're out by a mile. So they've got to be up front. They've got to be going for the win. So I really like that. Minus 134. Give me the one car. Give me the guy who's still in the playoffs in this matchup. Mark it down. Lock it in. Now we'll move on to a matchup that we've talked about in the past. They keep putting it out there because it's it's just pure trash. I mean, these guys, they're in a trash battle. Trash can. All season long now. And it just continues. I mean, it really does. So there's two different takes on this matchup. It's Matt Kenseth versus Ryan Newman. So the take is how someone does at a specific racetrack compared to how someone's doing recently, more so this year. So we'll take a look. Matt Kenseth historically has really solid numbers here. In the last 10 races that NASCAR has held here in that time span, he's got an average finish of 11.2. That's good enough for seventh out of everyone. And his driver rating for his career, 100 and 2.3. That's good enough for second. Second in driver rating. I mean, that tells you in his career, he's done really well here. He finished 18th in 2020. Now, for those of you who might not know this, or maybe you're newer to NASCAR, Kenseth is just filling in this year in that 42 car. He's actually coming back from retirement, and 2017 was the last time he raced there before the 2020 first race at Texas. So he was racing in the 20 car at that point, and, you know, big gap right before this season. And that's got to explain why he's been so down this year, just kind of going through the motions a little bit. But overall, you know, you look at his Texas stats, you look at that driver rating, it's very intriguing. It's very shiny. You want to go to it. But looking at Newman, he's got one top 10 in the last 10 races here. His average finish is nowhere near what Kenseth's is, 17.9. That is nowhere near the top 10 in that category. So really just, eh, you know what I mean? Not fantastic, not good. He's going to be in that mid-teen area, like 13 to 17. You know, he'll be a lap down, then he'll get his lap back. Like, that's kind of where he's at at Texas. And you have to expect that, especially this year. Because, like we were saying about Kenseth, Newman just can't get it together very, very poor racing so far, coming back from that horrific crash at Daytona. And looking a little bit further now, when you are pulling up stats on the last 10 races here, Matt was only racing in five of them. So you can only do a head-to-head record for Texas between Newman and Kenseth for five races. And Kenseth has a 4-1 lead. So that would draw your attention to Kenseth. But, but... That one win that Newman has came earlier this year in 2020. Uh, So mile and a half racetracks, another thing that you should point out. Six to three in head-to-heads on mile and a half, Ryan Newman wins that. And for the 2020 season as a whole, head-to-head, Newman has the 16 to 13 advantage. So historically, yes, years ago, Kenseth was the guy that you'd probably take, but I think just because of the modern, the 2020 season, I'm going with Ryan Newman. He's just been in it more than Kenseth has. And, uh, I, you know, you have to choose somebody, right? I mean, this isn't a matchup that you technically love, but I'm going with Newman. 
Kenseth is just trending down. I mean, he had a 40th place finish last week, 34th the week before that. Meanwhile, Newman just continues to ride in that 15th spot area, like right around that vicinity. So uh, I think Kenseth's going to have to do better than that. He'll have to put up like a 13th place finish, and I just don't see that happening. So lock it in for Ryan Newman. These guys were both minus 115. Now we'll get to the big matchup. This is the one that I think matters the most. And it's Brad Keselowski taking on Chase Elliott. Really good matchup here that Bucks put out. I really do think that they did a good job choosing these two because they're right on the cut line. All right. This race is astronomical for both of these guys. Brad has been feeling like they've been in the championship for Hunt for a really long time now. I think they've kind of assumed they were going to be there. Now with Logano winning, even though it's their teammate, they're on that cut line. And I think they didn't expect that to happen. Now, Elliot, he was, you know, kind of happy to be in that top four. But now he's out of that cut line, minus eight points to the good. So that's the cut. Eight point difference between these two guys. So this race is huge because neither one of them want to go into Martinsville in any sort of must win situation or, you know, worrying about points. They want to go out and get it done. So expect both of these guys to be racing their asses off trying to clinch because they don't want to have to deal with this cut line stuff. Now, looking at the history here. So, by the way, the odds, Chase is minus 125, Kozlowski minus 106. Kozlowski, last 10 races, no wins, two top fives, four top tens. Average finish isn't great here at Texas, 17.4. Now, in 2020, he finished ninth, which is pretty good, but he had an absolutely horrendous 2019 season at Texas. Now, you could follow that up by saying he has a bunch of laps led, 381 laps led. That is up in the top five for laps led at this racetrack. So it's very kind of strange. It's like hot and cold. You know what I mean? A different type of stat readout here for Brad Keselowski. Now, if you look at Chase Elliott, he's got nine starts here, no wins, two top fives, five top tens, and he finished 12th in 2020. So, you know, those stats, five top tens, that's more top 10s than Brad has in less races. And his driver rating is 10th, 88.6. His average finish, 6th out of everyone, 11.1. So all of those numbers are much better than Brad's in that Texas category. Uh, looking at the 2020 season head-to-head, -head, though, Brad's got the 18-15 advantage. And on mile-and-a-half racetracks, we called it out earlier when we talked about Team Penske, that prop bet. Well, Brad is very good, the best, tied for the best, all mile and a half so far this year, seven to three lead, Brad over Chase in head-to-heads on these mile and a half racetracks. So everything kind of is leading to Brad Kozlowski, but I just can't get away from the Texas stats. And I can't get away from the fact that Chase Elliott needs to get into that championship for, and I think he knows that. I, and I'm saying that from like a fan's perspective, like a NASCAR fan, one of these years, he's going to have to get into that championship four. And why not this year? I mean, if he doesn't do it this year, he's going to start to hear it a little bit from the fan base. So I think the Texas stats and the need to get above that cut line are going to drive Chase to a very smart technical race. And I think he's going to win this matchup. So Chase minus 125 is the pick over Kozlowski. Lock it in and we'll recap all of those picks. So we're talking Christopher Bell, plus 100 over Matt Benedetto, Kurt Busch, minus 134 over Eric Almarola, Ryan Newman over 
Matt Kenseth, minus 115, and Chase Elliott over Brad Keselowski in a big-time heavy hitter matchup, minus 125. Let's parlay that up and come out 4-0 this week. Let's do it. So we'll close it out this week with Phil's Fired Up, and this week's topic is the Truck Series, because the Truck Series is something I absolutely love. If you are not paying attention to that series, maybe you just think it's you know minor leagues and not worth your time, you are incorrect, all right? The Truck Series is so fun to watch. Those guys just go full tilt, and there's always you know, wrecks and there's great racing. It just really provides great entertainment. I think I really got into truck racing because they, a lot of times are racing at night, you know, on like a Friday night. And I absolutely love night races. So really gets my attention. And now I follow it very, very closely. And they typically go through ebbs and flows where they're off for a significant amount of time. So you tend to forget about it, especially as the gambler. Like you're not looking for it on a weekly basis. So you kind of lose that muscle. Well, I'm bringing it up now because we had a race last weekend and we've got with counting last weekend, four races in a row, four weekends in a row that you have the ability to watch the trucks and bet on the truck. So that's what we're talking about right now. And I'll call out some things for this coming weekend, but I just want to say that, you know, daily fantasy is perfect for the trucks. The the guys that are up top are, you know, definitely your, your heavy hitters, but, you know, it's really the, the guys at the bottom that are fun to follow. You know, who's going to finish four laps down instead of three laps down? You know what I mean? And the head-to-head matchups that the sports books offer, if your state allows sports betting, I mean, I typically put some stuff out at Full Tank Phil on Instagram, on Instagram stories, just throwing in some wild parlays as I'm sitting around lazily on the couch before the truck race is about to start. And I've hit some of those wild parlays, like five, six leggers. I mean, it's fun and and sometimes a little bit easier than the truck because there's some heavy favorites. So we'll talk about this weekend. On the pole, we've got Sheldon Creed. Now, he's going off at plus 500. I really like that number. Because, you know, he's a playoff driver. He finished second to his teammate Brett Moffitt last weekend, and he really made it interesting at the end. Moffitt had the the race pretty much locked up, but Sheldon, I mean, you know, the announcers didn't really show the fact in their uh, voice that it was closer than, you know, they kind of made it seem. So Sheldon just misses last weekend, starting on the pole this week. And that plus 500 number is pretty entertaining. Now, the thing that's drawing me back a little bit from betting on him at Texas is his numbers at Texas aren't great. But I think Sheldon Creed this year has really broken out into a superstar. So I wouldn't hate throwing money down at plus 500 on that. The head-to-heads for the trucks typically don't come out until the day before. So I don't have those handy at the moment. But rest assured, I will be putting out a parlay this week and every week uh, until the championship race. So Sheldon Creed, you know, Give it a look. I would like to see who they have a matched up against in head-to-heads as well. Uh, Austin Hill is the favorite this week, plus 350. I was looking at the stats earlier, and I really don't understand why he's the favorite. Uh, at Texas, his numbers don't speak to me, but you know maybe I don't follow the truck series as close as I think I do, and you know there is a real reason why he should be going off as the, the head and shoulders favorite at plus 350, but I'm going to fade him just because of that. He's starting third. Um, you know, maybe that third place starting spot uh, is a, a good thing because it's kind of rare for someone to win from the pole. But, you know, in any case, I'll probably fade him at least 
wait for the head-to-heads to come out. I'll definitely throw them in my daily fantasy lineup. You know what? That's going to be the move that I'm making here as I'm coming up with this on the fly here. But uh, look to see who he's facing head-to-head and uh, probably take him in that matchup as well. Now, somebody that I'm calling out as uh, kind of a sleeper here, Grant Enfinger, okay? He's going off at plus 1,200. Now, he's below the cut line. And Enfinger... He's kind of like a Chase Elliott, honestly, if you're looking for an analogy to the Cup Series, because he does well during the regular season. Last year, I think he dominated the regular season and missed the championship four. This year, he's doing really well, and he's outside the cut line right now. So, plus 1,200 is a really good set of odds for him, long odds, because his solid track stats at Texas really speak to you. I mean, four top fives, six top tens in seven races. It's really good. I mean, those six top tens really get you to think about taking him in a head-to-head matchup, depending on who his opponent is. But his average finish is 6.0. He doesn't have a win here, but he needs it. I mean, really, really needs a win or a good finish. So plus 1,200, I'd be looking at it. And definitely, you know, check out what the top 10 odds are. Those aren't out yet either. But Enfinger, mark it down as kind of a, a guy, feather in your cap, sleeper, a flyer, whatever you want to call it. He's a guy that I'm watching this week at Texas. Christian Eckes, he's out of the playoffs, but he finished second in 2020 in the his only race here in the trucks. So small sample size, and the fact that he's out of the playoffs kind of makes you think, okay, well, you know, let's forget about him. But he's going off at plus 1,000, and I really like Christian Eckes driving for Cobbush Motorsports. So I might be, you know, throwing something down on him at plus 1,000. I don't see why he couldn't you know, best his number from earlier this year at Texas and snag a win and kind of play spoiler a little bit. So Christian Eckes is another one that I'm keeping my eye on. And depending on the value for Daily Fantasy, I'm looking at throwing him into my lineup as well. Now, let's end this week's talk with Matt Crafton. All right. The thing about him is he has the same stats as Kevin Harvick. In the last 10 races, he has 10 top 10 finishes and he's going off at plus 900 to win the race so you're going to get some decent value decent odds on him to finish in the top 10 and i'm sure he'll be an underdog pick in the head-to-head matchups because he always is for some reason they're down on him so he's another guy who needs a good finish if he's going to get into that championship four i think a lot of people love matt crafton I certainly like following him, so I'm keeping my eyes. And seven top fives, by the way. So really good numbers for Matt Kraft, and I don't know why the sports books are kind of dissing him a little bit, plus 900, but he's another guy that I'm keeping my eye on this weekend. So overall, I love the trucks. This weekend's going to be a good weekend. Definitely throwing some parlays in, and I'm hoping that you know we hit maybe some money line, a good parlay because the truck race is going off at 12 noon on Sunday. So we'll load up our cash or fill our wallet up a little bit and throw even more money down on the cup race for free. So give the trucks a look. If you're not into it, I guarantee you will not be disappointed. That's going to be the checkered flag on another episode of the full tank with Phil podcast. Go out and place your bets because we've only got a couple races left after this. Martinsville's coming up next to finish out lock in our championship four so get your bets placed give us a follow at full tank phil on instagram to follow along with any updated picks and cash in with us this weekend remember drive fast take chances and we'll see you next time no place to go